Welcome to Aaron Menke's Cabinet of Curiosities, a production of iHeartRadio and Grim and Mild. Our world is full of the unexplainable. And if history is an open book, all of these amazing tales are right there on display, just waiting for us to explore. Welcome to the Cabinet of Curiosities. Some actors, despite their best efforts, become known for playing a particular role. Sean Connery, for example, acted in almost 100 films throughout the years, but most people remember him best as Agent 007 from the James Bond franchise. Boris Karloff appeared in 80 films before he was ever cast in his starring role as the lumbering monster in 1931's Frankenstein. But today, when people hear the name Karloff, they can't help but imagine his massive figure dressed all in black, with a pair of bolts protruding from his neck. But one actor is so well-known for one particular part, it followed him to his grave. Bela Blasco was born in 1882 in Hungary, dropping out of school when he was just 12 years old. He took up acting one year later and got his start performing in local productions while trying to make a name for himself. In 1911, Blasco moved to Budapest and performed with the National Theatre of Hungary, although being in a bigger company didn't bring him fame and fortune. So at the outbreak of World War I, he enlisted with the Austro-Hungarian army and fought for two years. When he returned home due to injuries he sustained, he resumed his acting career that he had left behind. After that, Blasco bounced from Hungary to Vienna and then to Berlin for a short time, until finally working his way to America. He earned rave reviews for his portrayal of a villainous character in a 1927 stage play, staying in the role when the production moved out to the West Coast. The following year, he started getting cast in American silent films. As it turned out, Universal Studios was looking to cast the role that he originated on Broadway for a film version of the play. Their first choice, Lon Chaney, who had already terrified audiences as the Phantom of the Opera, had sadly died before production could begin. But although Blasco had defined the character on the New York stage, producers were cautious about a relatively unknown actor headlining their next major motion picture. And yet, they hired him for the project. Both the play and the film told the story of a Transylvanian vampire whose move to England caused quite a stir. Based on the 1897 book by Bram Stoker, Dracula became a huge hit and catapulted Blasco to great acclaim. But if you're wondering why you've never heard of Blasco, there's a good reason why. At this point, he no longer went by that last name. You see, early on in his career, he had chosen a stage name to honor his place of birth in Hungary, the town of Lugos. So from 1903 onward, audiences had come to know him as Bela Lugosi. While he had lived in relative obscurity back in Hungary, Lugosi soon found a lucrative niche for himself as the leading man in horror and suspense movies. He went on to star in films like Murders in the Rue Morgue, Son of Frankenstein, and The Black Cat. Sadly, as quickly as his star ascended, it came crashing back down. For one, Lugosi grew tired of being typecast as a villain. In fact, Universal had offered him the title role in their upcoming Frankenstein picture after Dracula's box office success, but he refused, saying that the part should be played by some half-wit extra instead. The role, of course, went to Boris Karloff who would go on to co-star with Lugosi in five films later in life. Due to his accent and ethnicity, he found it difficult to break out of the horror genre. He acted in numerous B-movies over the next two decades, 
each one more questionable in quality than the last. By the time he died in 1956, Lugosi had appeared in over 100 films in roles ranging from mad doctors to evil scientists and even a heroic magician. But he was a shadow of his former self, relying on favors from directors and fellow actors to cast him whenever he needed the work. But even after all of that, his fans remembered him best as Count Dracula, looming over his prey in his white waistcoat and black cape. Bella Lugosi terrified audiences for years as the legendary character, practically defining how the modern vampire appeared on stage and screen for the next century. In fact, his costume was so iconic, he was buried in it upon his death. His coffin can be found at Holy Cross Cemetery in Culver City, California. But now that I think about it, maybe someone should go check on it. You know, just to make sure he's still inside. One might not consider a pirate in the traditional sense as fancy, but that's apparently what Henry Every wanted to be, and successfully ended up being. In fact, when he led a mutiny as the first mate aboard the Charles II, he renamed his new ship exactly that, the Fancy, a word that perhaps captures Every's essence more than we yet know. After all, by definition, the word fancy is a faculty of imagination or delight, and that is exactly how you might likewise define the life and legacy of the pirates in question, known now as the King of Pirates or the Arch Pirate, depending on who you ask. Henry Every does not have a lot in common with his fellow pirate lords. Sure, he has an unclear beginning and a rise to captaincy by seizing the opportunity. But beyond that, he is something of a unicorn. He did not need multiple acts of piracy to cement his legend. He did not need to die in battle or be hanged for his crimes. He was, well, a bit fancier than all of that. In 1695, Henry sailed for the volcanic island of Perim off the coast of Madagascar. There, he and his small pirate squadron waited for their payday. The payday of all paydays, you could say. And on September 7th, they spotted that prize, a 25-ship convoy led by the Grand Mogul on their annual pilgrimage to Mecca. The convoy was laden with treasures from South Asia, treasures intended to be used as offerings once they reached the holy city. Only, they would never reach it. They did, however, put up a fight. Armed with a massive 1,600-ton, 80-cannon ship, as well as a 600-ton escort, they held their own. Renowned pirate Thomas II was killed during the battle with the Mughal vessel, and numerous ships in the pirate squadron were left behind because they simply could not keep up. Perhaps you could say that they just weren't fancy enough. In fact, the 46-gun fancy soon found itself accompanied by only two other comrades, the Pearl and the Portsmouth Adventure. So massively outgunned and outnumbered, Henry evened the odds with an opening broadside that crippled the mast of the Mughal's ship, the 1,600-ton behemoth, although the ship itself still boasted 400 well-armed soldiers. And while Henry Every led the boarding alongside his men, the Mughal captain Ibrahim fled below decks. Without a leader, the moguls buckled under the ferocity of the pirates. Henry and his men overtook the vessel, claiming a treasure worth over 600,000 pounds at the time, roughly 93 million English pounds today. It is far and away the biggest heist in the history of heists, and it led to the first worldwide manhunt, all for the man who engineered it all, 
Henry Every. The raid had soured the already strained relationship between England and the Mughals, with the English now fearing they may lose all of their trade opportunity with India. The only thing that would repair it was the prompt arrest of the man who had caused the whole fiasco. Only no one knew where he was or where he put the treasure. Last anyone had heard, Henry Every had docked the fancy at Royal Island in the Bahamas in 1696, before moving on to Nassau, where he assumed a new name, Captain Bridgman. When word reached the governing body that Bridgman was in fact Henry Every, they issued a warrant for his arrest. But before they could capture him, he had simply disappeared, as if by magic. Of his 113 men, only 24 were ever found. Of them, numerous stories were reported as to where Every intended to go. But no two stories ever matched up. Either they were protecting their captain, or Henry Every had told different crew members different things to purposely throw off pursuit. Whatever the case, it worked. After 1696, there is not a single record of Henry Every, nor his riches, nor the aptly named Fancy. There are some who believe that Every, in true pirate fashion, squandered his riches and died a poor man in England, although there is no evidence to back up that claim. As such, the end of Henry Every's story is still a mystery, as is the question of what happened to that massive wealth he accumulated, all from a single act of piracy. Now I'd call that fancy. I hope you've enjoyed today's guided tour of the Cabinet of Curiosities. Subscribe for free on Apple Podcasts or learn more about the show by visiting curiositiespodcast.com. This show was created by me, Aaron Mankey, in partnership with How Stuff Works. I make another award-winning show called Lore, which is a podcast, book series, and television show. And you can learn all about it over at theworldoflore.com. And until next time, stay curious. Thank you.